0: Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together, where today my guest is Ailey Lone, a young actor and writer and director who's really making making strides. Fantastic stuff. It was so great to, to hear. Do you know what I don't hear that much of? I suppose we don't go into it, but Ailey talks with, with amazing... Um, passion about her family which I just loved and her family's involved in her work in a in a quite a unique way which I didn't realize before we sat down to chat so um I hope you'll look forward to hearing about that um her newest uh, project which will be coming out at the Tron uh, early next year again more details in the episode but yeah it was great to hear how impassioned she is talking about that and her relationship with her family and how that's become a massive part of her creative life. Um she's also in this week's Play Pie and a Pint production, which is Mary and Ada Set the World to Rights by Jane Livingston. It's directed by joanna bowman and it stars ailey and beth marshall and alana jackson it runs for the rest of this week 1pm every day and your ticket includes the cost of your pie and your drink so get down to our more to check that out the design looks beautiful from what i've seen i've not had a chance to see it just yet so uh what else have i got to tell you <laughs> i that a lot don't know. yes ailey's um busy busy with the writing and stuff and it's really nice to see people making their own making their own way yeah, I think it's happened to a lot of us where we've had to find a way to, to stay creative. Um, I mean, it sounds like ellie has been working on this project for a long time, and I don't think lockdowns have been um, the the only catalyst in getting it on. But in general, I think I'm always impressed when people do their own things and make their own work and make their own luck in a way. And I think you can do that to some extent. And then, of course, you know there's a lot of there's there's luck involved and then there's there's for some of us well i'm talking about myself now but there's privilege as well which we have to acknowledge um anyway yeah i was i saw a thing on twitter about um i think it was nigel havers who said something about about there being luck involved in the business and he said (laughs) i i was very lucky at the time because my father was the head of such and such film commissioning body and uh, his friend was a minister for culture or something <laughs> it's just the tweet was kind of like his definition of luck at this point is really quite extreme and um, that's not the kind of luck I've got going on but anyway uh, what am I talking about I'm not talking about Ellie, but it was great to hear her uh, talk with such eloquence and passion about, about this project and um, wishing all the best with it So, yes, other than that, I'm practising a lot. I'm practising music a lot because uh, next week I'm recording my first solo Irish dance music album um, in a friend's studio down south. So I'm really every day just practising these tunes, uh, which are driving me batty, but, you know, you know how it is. As of middle of next week, that'll be all over and done with. But in the meantime, I do need to practise, 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 practise. Makes perfect, as you know um and i do feel like i'm kind of spinning plates at the moment in a pretty serious way um you know every time i think right okay i've got that thing's under control um then it's like oh yeah and this other thing and then hold on i have to send this and do this you know it just it's very much that freelance life at the moment and um it's definitely taking its toll but we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. Looking forward to doing my Christmas show, which is at Oran Moore on the evenings of the 21st and 22nd of December. That's my characters, Janice and Frank. It's called "Aha, uh-huh, the Janice and Frank story. Uh, so I hope that you'll get tickets for that. The early shows, the 7pm shows are now sold out and the later shows are available, but there's not many tickets available, the 9.30 shows. So do go to oran to get your tickets for that. And uh, make sure to follow this podcast as well on social media, Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and you just search Putting It Together on Facebook. Now, some of you have been kind enough to donate to the podcast to keep it going, to help cover the running costs of the show. And if you're one of those people, I want to really sincerely thank you for that because it makes a massive difference. If you haven't done so already and you can afford an extra quid or two a month um, in in lieu of buying me a coffee for my work, then I would really appreciate it. Just go to our website puttingittogethercast.com and click on donate. It really is as simple as that. You can donate one off or you can make it a regular monthly payment if you can afford to. And if you can't, please just sit back and enjoy the show because it's for everybody. Uh, So it's about time I brought you my guest of the week, isn't it? It's Ailey Lone and she's with me and we are Putting It Together. Like now it's kind of snazzy, but. Oh, is it? They've done it up. Have you not seen it? No. Oh, my goodness. Well.
1: I can't imagine that.
0: It was so grim. Because it was
1: a shithole when I went.
0: Really? Where did you work? New Look. New Look. I mean, when I was a kid, they didn't even have New Look. It was whatever But that was like. It
1: was Brayhead that we went when it was like. It was somebody's birthday and we wanted a good present. But like Clyde (laughs) Bank. Clyde Bank Bank was like every other weekend. We'd go to Clyde Bank to go to like the pound shop and home bargains and all that. Yep. But I worked in New Look and. Saw some things,
0: did you? Yeah, I've seen some shit in New Look,
1: yeah. Like, I've I, over lockdown, like, we came out of lockdown and I worked in um, Fred Perry in Camden, which is like a dream come true for me. I love Fred Perry, right. and I saw some things working in Camden, but nowhere near is what it was working in what are you talking about, like,
0: people fighting, stealing stuff,
1: stealing stuff, fights what people got up to in the changing rooms, really. Mm-hmm. We had like code names for like, so it was like. Uh, can someone check out the red handbag in the changing room meant that there was like something dodgy going on in the change. room. I've wow. seen some things. I've seen and experienced some things and there's a 16-year-old working you look like, is this is what the real world's like, mum? Yeah, that's like, frontline stuff. It was, it was horrific, yeah. Wow. PTSD, actually, talking about it. Brings Woo. you back. Awful. But yeah,
0: but I mean, if you're working in Fred Perry and Camden, that's a kind of a different league, isn't it?
1: Camden is the maddest place in the world. To have a part-time job or even yeah. just working in retail in Camden is genuinely one of the most hysterical things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> genuinely, is so funny.
0: Is it mostly touristy people, or is it kind of people trying to be cool and all that?
1: You get a lot of teenagers. Yeah, coming sort of like in their punk sort of era that I right, think right. we all did have. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I still think I have that at points. And then yeah, it's a lot of tourists just sort of coming to London. And I think as lockdowns sort of eased and travel ban was lifted, we yeah. saw a lot of more a lot more international tourism and a lot of just people coming for the weekend and stuff like that. Um but there's like the punks of Camden is like obviously so iconic. Yeah. And there's this one wee dude who's like not allowed to sit with the main punks. So Aww. there's like oh no. It's not an off. <laughs> oh no okay right. don't feel aw. sorry for Don't him. feel sorry for this <laughs> guy. So there's like this there's this bridge in Camden which takes you over to the market. And all the punks sit on there, it's like help punks get drunk and they're all really nice and they're dead peaceful and, mm-hmm. you know, and they're they're really lovely. And there's this one dude who's like the most aggressive young guy I've ever met in my life oh. and he listens to this like really heavy music, but it's like got lots of swearing in it. And it's like, oh no, there's these little kids oh. walking about with their families in mm-hmm. Camden and it's, and he's just horrible, like hates the fact that shops exist, that iPhones exist, but yet he sits and... Like his Fred Perry top and his like iPhone, and it's like, (laughs) what is going on? And he just he sits right outside the shop every Saturday, and it's like, Mm. oh, dude, dude, we're not going to get on. We're Mm -hmm. really not going to get on.
0: So he's like smashed the system, but he's just in the system.
1: Yeah, and he hates you. Like you go into work, and he's like, you're part of it. You're part of the big, the big corrupted system. And you're like, you've got an iPhone. (laughs) Like I don't understand what your argument is. Yeah, he's interesting. I wonder what his, I don't know what his story is, but yeah.
0: Yeah, everyone's got one. I mean, the yeah. Carnaby Street used to have a vibe when I used to live in London when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't have the same anymore, but it used to be like, all oh, sorts of weird shops and it's like all commercial, funky stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's all been kind of cleaned up.
1: That's the thing with the market in Camden, because I worked in Camden Market for a bit mm-hmm. and then I worked in the High Street as well. And the market is like, they still try and stay away from having like commercial shops in there. Like your yeah. so Fred Perry's on the High Street, but. Try and sort of have their sort of independent brands in the marketplace. Nice. Um, which is like, it's nice that they sort of still keep that. Um, the high street's mental. It's weird. It gets to like during the day, it's lovely. There's all these tourists. It's really nice and calm. And then it gets to like quarter past six, like specifically 17 minutes past six. And right. it's like, Camden becomes like <laughs> just different. Really? Just, There's like, a switch. You need to run for the tube because wow. it's like it's a dark place. I, <laughs> I
0: didn't it's, really know that. Oh yeah.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, daytime, it's fun, it's edgy, it's cool and then it's just not by 17 minutes past six, it's just not Good sound.
0: <laughs> so you've been doing that kind of, doing the, the retail day job and buzzing about doing auditions and doing whatever you've got to do yeah. for a while, haven't you?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: How's that been? I mean, you've just told me you're going to move back so mm-hmm. that's got to give me some indication of how it's been.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think since leaving drama school, like, like work had been consistent and going mm-hmm. really well. And then, you know, lockdown happened and, you know, I've always worked part-time jobs. Like even coming off of, if I'd been doing a job for however long, mm-hmm. I'd always have like a part-time job lined up after it Cause I just, I don't really like not working. Right. Okay. Like I'd always mm-hmm. had like, I had like my first job when I was like 14 or so. I was like the Avon girl. That was me. My first You're a job. grafter. She's a grafter. But I get it from my dad. Like... Mm-hmm. My dad's always worked, my mum and da- both of my mum and dads have always worked. My dad's like proper working class attitude of like you go and make your money. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And so I've always I've always done the part time work, even, you know, coming off of a job and going straight back into working in Fred Perry or a pub or something like that. It's mm-hmm. I like I like working and I like new environments and like meeting new people and I think it's really nice to when you've come off of an acting job to go and work in a in a pub or like or like a shop and have a bit of reality again.
0: Don't forget your old arse
1: this is it this is it just surround yourself by people that also aren't in the industry because it does just keep your feet on the ground I think Um, so you've had
0: quite a good run from finishing drama school then
1: yeah it's been it's been class like it's been it's been so good like left drama school 2018 um, and then yeah had some nice wee telly bits and Mm -hmm. and then went into to the writing as well which is why I'm coming home so um, right okay so yeah and yeah. And then went into a tour. Um, we toured the UK with Frankenstein and then that ended in the March. we just finished the tour for for nine months and then the pandemic. Right. So I was trying
0: to figure that out when I was thinking about, you know, talking to you. I was like, did they get stopped by the pandemic mm. or was it just so you had actually completed it?
1: We'd finished. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. two weeks later we went into right. all the shows Scott pulled. Yeah. And so we, yeah, we just came off of the tour.
0: But you did nine so months with that.
1: Yeah, I think it was eight. Yeah, it was eight or nine, eight or nine months. Yeah. Gosh, we were around the UK. So you went everywhere. Was, yeah, everywhere. It was mental. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. And then, but I suppose like the tours that I've done have been not quite as long. But with that one, would you be a week in every place? Mm-hmm. So it becomes quite standard, doesn't it? Like mm-hmm. you have a day that you travel.
1: It was knackering. And then it it's was, just constant, right? Yeah. yeah. Like your your Sunday was supposed to be your day off, but you can't really get from. Uh, you know like where were we Brighton to Aberdeen on a Monday and then be there for 7 o'clock so you were having to travel on a Sunday which is considered your day off you'd get there absolutely knackered show on a Monday and then that was you 8 shows a week it was tiring like I'd gone and watched regional tours and you know just thought that's amazing they do all these shows a week and then until you actually do one you realise how much stamina you need it got halfway through the run and I was absolutely exhausted and thought Mm. And we didn't have understudies either, so we were did you just. Not? No, it was like, you need to be on every show or. Yeah. Was... So, did
0: anyone go off at any point then?
1: I did. You did? I did. I got laryngitis. Oh, um, no. Doctors were like, yeah, you're not allowed to go on. So, I wasn't allowed on for fatty shows. So what did they do? This, bless her, this girl came on with a script. Oh, God. It was so Who shame. was it? Oh, gosh, I can't remember the actress's name. So, it
0: was someone she that came... wasn't involved in the show? Someone production? that wasn't
1: involved in the show, no. Wow. Bless her, they just got her down to Cardiff with a script in her hand and made her go on stage Poor playing thing. the role with a script. It was a real shame.
0: Was she alright? Was she traumatised? I
1: think she was traumatised, yeah. <laughs> I think she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But, but it's no. not like,
0: it's not just the, the words, is it? It's like, all the moves and everything. I mean, that's a really involved show and you probably yeah. never really left the stage much, did you? No, at not all? at all.
1: Not at all. And do you know what? It was a real shame on the other actors in the, in the show mm. because they had to come in, um, you know, like four hours early rehearse the whole show with this girl who was being the understudy Mm. with the script in her hand and try and make her life as easy as possible because she was going on stage just, you know, only four hours rehearsal and and it was a shame. And then they got knackered which meant other people were getting a little bit unwell and it was, yeah, it was a tough, it's tough like, Mm. in the time of year we were touring as well was like in the winter. So it was getting to the point where everyone was getting cold and things like that. But we kept in good spirits. (laughs) I came, I came back and was, we came, I came back to the show after yeah I was off in Cardiff came back in Guildford and was like yeah vitamins the barocas you know all of the health foods that you can imagine so I was like do not want to be because I was in my bed just so anxious about not being on stage and that's the other thing
0: there's an it's not just the element of feeling sick it's the element of oh no what's gonna happen and I should Mm. be there and
1: there's a guilt yeah certainly a guilt yeah yeah I've been like I feel responsible. I feel Mm. responsible for this and you can't. Everyone gets ill. Everyone needs time off. Everyone gets sick. Um,
0: But this is why we need understudies.
1: 100%. There should
0: always be somebody, you know.
1: You shouldn't have an expectation of someone to just be healthy all the time because it's just so unrealistic. Doesn't make sense, does it? (laughs) Totally not. (laughs) Yeah. Do you
0: think we're getting any better at dealing with, kind of realistically dealing with people's needs more broadly in in the, the arts?
1: Coming out of COVID... It's. I think it's hard. I think it's been really hard. Um, there's money's so tight on mm. productions. Tighter and than ever, yeah. Yeah, paying understudies to come in for shows is. Yeah, I think it's really difficult. Um, and, I just think when shows are when shows are huge, big sings or dancing or, or mm. things like that you know, you just, we need to look after actors and, and the production teams that are expected to work these ridiculous hours during takes and all these things mm. and the regulations that are now coming into play. It's, everything should still be fun. The reason we got into doing this in the first place is because it was fun. As soon as it becomes anything but that, it's, you know, the work we do sometimes is, you know, very serious and mm. can be drama and all these kind of things, but it's still fun and it shouldn't be that serious, really. Like... <laughs> You know, it shouldn't be taken that serious that people start falling out and doing all these things and getting really bogged down in their mind about it and really unwell and that kind of aspect because it's, as mm. soon as it becomes that, it's just you losing what we want to do since we've been kids is run around and, you know, put costumes on and have a laugh. and it's Dress a, up for mum and dad. It yeah. is. It's a pure privilege we get to do this. Yeah. And the creative aspect of it as well, like designing a show or, you know, caught being like a sound designer or a lighting designer and getting to bring this whole script to life is it's a proper privilege we get to do this as soon as it becomes not fun anymore what's what is the point i like it i like it
0: so you're one of these people that did wanted to do this from a very early age then
1: yeah i was that really annoying kid that made like their whole class at break time perform annie and stuff
0: (laughs) and were you the starring role and the director
1: and the designer Everything. and the Yeah. Right, okay. The choreographer and the Yeah. <laughs>
0: Did you put yeah. on shows for your your family at home and make them come and watch you? Oh gosh. Constant.
1: My cousins were tortured. <laughs> absolutely we we laugh about it. There's like, you know, TikTok. There's like I'm not too good at the whole TikTok thing. My sister's like amazing at it. Like she mm. does all the edits and stuff. But she sends me videos and there's one and it's like, you know, these people and they're sitting screaming and the the captions um, when you made your cousins do a show when they visited Granny's house and I was like, that was me.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. They,
1: my cousins hated it. My cousins absolutely hated doing any sort of singing and dancing and I would be like, I don't care. You're doing it. And my cousin, my cousin Caitlin had this absolutely gorgeous long red hair mm. and I remember doing The Little Mermaid one time but she wasn't Ariel. I was like, I'm Ariel. <laughs> Even though she was perfect you, casting. Yeah, perfect <laughs> casting. She had the hair, everything. Yep. I was like, I'm Ariel. You're a flounder. That's it. And there was no debating about it. And yeah, my family just wanted to watch whatever crappy program was on the telly. And I'd be like, everyone pause it. Everyone pause it. We've, we're we doing a show. Yep. We're doing a show now. Oh, they're endless videos as well. Like m- my grandpa always oh, used to like film us and stuff like that. And there's, he would announce us and be like, okay, and on today's show we've got this. And oh, cool. I'd like be like, you've not said it right. This is how we need it. And oh God, awful. There's loads Awful. of videos
0: of, um, do you know Rob Madge? Yes. Loads of those videos are are them going, Dad, no, Dad, you've got it wrong, and
1: I'm look at the, me,
0: point the camera at me.
1: <laughs> I've showed my parents those videos, really, and yeah, and they've just went, that was you as a child. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, yeah. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I
0: know it's not because it seems the most normal thing to you at the time. I mean, everybody's experiences their normality, so it doesn't mm. seem like you don't think you're imposing on anybody. You're just like, this is what people do.
1: No there's 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 one specific one at christmas and oh gosh it's hilarious and um they put on like some sort of nursery rhyme thing and it's like um got like jack and jill or whatever the nursery rhyme is on and mm-hmm. i turn around to my mom and i'm like i want this one on and it's like a kylie cd <laughs> or it's the cheeky girls or something like that and my dad's sitting like she wants bloody kylie on like this is ridiculous like she's she's five years old, why are we making her dance to Kylie? And it's just, you hear him in the background discussing this with my uncle and they're just like, if she's not if she's not an actor, mm-hmm. there's su- there's something not right here. And we always just laugh about it now, the fact that this is what I'm actually doing as my career. And we're like, of course. it worked out.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. There was never any question then in your head.
1: Yeah, not always, always to wanted that. to do yeah. it.
0: Did you ever have a backup? You know, people say, get something to fall back on. Did you ever think of something else?
1: Like... I think when I was a kid, it was always like you go through stages of like, I want to be a policeman, a fireman, Um, you go through all these kind of things, but I'd always, I'd always wanted to be on stage. Mm. I'd never, it was just so clear in my mind that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, that was me too. Yeah, there was nothing. And I, I remember being at, at high school and there always been like, I have a plan B and me yeah. just being thinking that was the most ludicrous thing in the world to have a plan B. So I was like, no, because my plan A is going to work. And that was it. Yep. And just, it, it was kind of that little stroppy ch- kids being like, no, no, I know, what I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm having, I'm having plan A and that's all. um, Yeah. But I, well, I did want to be like, a, I had like a thought in my head of going to Manchester and, and doing music I got into a music school in Manchester when I say music like I'm really not a musician like mm-hmm. I can play like four chords on the guitar and write a few tunes but like I'm really not I'm really not a musician at all and I ended up getting into this music college um for songwriting oh really and, yeah I had it in my head that I was going to go to Manchester and like form the next oasis and <laughs> live my Debbie Harry dream and think that was me and as long as you yeah, got those
0: four chords it's still possible yeah yeah many people have gone very far with four or less
1: true um (laughs) (laughs) yeah my yeah my chins weren't that brilliant (laughs) my dad's the most honest man ever and he's also the most supportive man ever Mm. and i remember like playing some some music and stuff he'd be like i like that the music's a hobby and like you could still maybe do a wee band but i think you should still be an actor (laughs) you need those people in your life don't you oh he's not afraid and yeah, i love it he's good. not afraid he'll come and watch work and tell me that the god's honest truth. he came to see stuff at drama school i did and was like ailey what was that <laughs> really yeah
0: yeah my parents are like that too i i, I had to sort of give them a wee, a wee crash course i did contemporary theater at the academy the Conservatoire now and i said don't don't ask me like what did it mean yep because <laughs> that's people's first what was all that about and mm-hmm. i'm like well you know, whatever you think and all this, this was me just learning. I said, okay, two questions I need to ask you. What did it make you think? What did it make you feel? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I remember my mum phoning me like the day after on the show and she was like, well, last night's show, it made me think of um, my relationship, blah, blah, blah. And, and it made me feel um, a bit annoyed, but kind of, and I could hear her like really trying her best. And I was like, oh God bless you.
1: That's the best bit. Like, I love when my parents go to the theatre and my dad. Booked tickets and he phoned me. I could tell he was so proud because they'd only come to the theatre if I was in something. Mm-hmm. If I was doing a show, they would go, they would never ever go on their own. Um, And so he'd, he'd phoned me and said, "Um, I'm actually going to the theatre tonight. I was like, Oh, are you? I was like, What are you going to see? He's like, Me and the lads for we work have got tickets for Train Spotting. And I was so proud. Nice. I was like, amazing. Oh, wow. That's amazing. You know, he's taken, he, my dad's a Tyler. And he took, you know, mates in his work, you know, to go and see a theatre piece. I was like, good, 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 good. This is what we like to see. Um,
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I I kind of, I I buy my parents tickets to see things like that I'm not in Mm -hmm. and we go together. Yeah. And I'm always, it's, it's like trying to pick things that, that they'll appreciate that, they won't just be like, "What the fuck is this?" Because yeah. there's no point like me forcing them to go and see stuff that I think is great, but that I know that they'll hate. Mm-hmm. You no know, that thing that people go and see things that they think that they should see, because they think it'll improve them or something. Do you know what I mean? 100%. Sitting through bad Shakespeare just because you're like this, but this is important.
1: The amount of times I've sat in a theater and genuinely felt <laughs> stupid because people around me are laughing at a bit, and I'm like, yeah. I've got no clue what's going on. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. And
1: I'm like, if I'm feeling that, and I. have Went and studied theatre and acting, and have saw lots of theatre already. And what my mum and dad going to think when they come? This isn't accessible. This isn't. Yeah, and it's it's partly why that's why I love theatre. And you know, my my dad and I have worked on this show that we're doing at the beginning of the year. Six years it's taken us to write this story, and a huge reason why I wanted it to be in Scotland first, and it to be written the way it's written is because not enough working class folk go to the theater because it mm. is still this stereotype of, oh, I just won't get it. Yeah. It's all that Shakespeare stuff. It's not for me. And and when I've turned to my dad in theaters that have pieces that have really affected him, you see how moving it is. Mm. And you go, oh, if we could just get more lads and lassies from those backgrounds in to experience this, how amazing would that be? And it isn't, it isn't a stereotype. The st- stuff that I've seen... Um, Theatre that is so accessible is awesome, and it's just this stereotype needs to be extinguished that oh, it's not for me, I won't get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And but you're talking about people who've always had that idea and um have grown up with the idea that it's not for them, so it's really hard. Those are like well trodden neural pathways. They see a theatre, poster, or they see and they think opera, ballet, it's in French, and I won't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a long time to dismantle those ideas.
1: Yeah, I think it's important we do so. Yeah, and Panto's it's... great for that hundred percent you
0: know it's a great access point
1: when you talk to people and you say oh have you ever gone to the theater they'll usually say yeah i went to see a a pantomime
0: or no i just went to see a pantomime you know what i mean yeah yeah of course and
1: it's and it's but it's a building that you walk into and sometimes take for granted like when we were on the tour i'd walk into these theaters all around the uk and every time we went i always made sure i'd stand and just take in like god we get to do this this They're is amazing beautiful aren't they some, Absolutely of those, stunning. some of those houses
0: are unbelievable so
1: so amazing but then how intimidating is it for somebody that isn't used to walking into a theater mm. and walking in and feeling so uncomfortable sitting there amongst people that this is just there every week yeah. it's coming here and like i took one of my mates to the national recently and had never I'd like gone to see theater before but had never been to the national and i was like are you ready? It was a Olivier's space and walked in and his face was like, oh my, I didn't know you could, I didn't know theatres were this, but this is mental. I was like, yeah, yeah. and it's, seeing people's reaction to that is so fulfilling mm. and you take for granted sometimes that we can just go and it's not a big deal for us to sit in an auditorium and it's comfortable for us to do that. It's not the case with everyone because there's still that intimidation of totally. I don't belong here.
0: I'd be more comfortable there than most other places. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be more comfortable on the stage than I would be in my own skin half the time as I've said often
1: yeah
0: Um. I, was, I get the sense you probably feel the same
1: 100% <laughs> us
0: people that like were brought up just doing shows all the time you know what I mean never faltered I thought everybody was like that though that's the other thing when I got into this business when I started talking about putting on shows when I was a kid and making films and writing scripts they were like did you wow that's amazing and I was like you didn't a lot of people who are actors didn't mm. you know found it at, at, at school in 50 or something And then got into it. So it always surprised me that we weren't all strange little kids putting on shows, you know.
1: I found that at primary school when you're in the playground and then you became the weird kid that was like, yeah, running about the playground, like being like, we're going to do a dance routine Mm. because everyone's like, why? Why are we doing that? Yeah, you're so right. It's not everybody. No. Not everybody. Yeah, not everybody's into it. (laughs) It's
0: weird. Yeah, yeah. So you were saying that you are writing something with your dad.
1: yeah. My dad's had a pretty remarkable life. He's amazing. He's an amazing man. He's like my hero. Mm -hmm. Um, He's my best mate. And yeah, he basically brought me up on these stories about football teams he played for. And there was one specific team that he he sort of played for and all these mates did at the time. And yeah, I went to watch him play when I was younger. And all of a sudden we didn't hear much about him playing football anymore and as i got older i sort of kind kind of understood learned learned why um and it was through a series of events you know my dad lost a lot of people in his life mm. um due to a lot of things um and i found this very interesting and my dad and i began six years ago really delving into how he felt going through this and his mental health and he reached 50 um, a couple of years ago now. And we spoke about, you know, you get to that age and you really start to think, what have I done with my life of value? Mm. Um, And he told me these stories and I went, well, you've done, this this is of value. And so I started writing Moorcroft and thought, it's sort of based on my dad's life. It's based on these characters that, you know, I grew up known to be uncles um and started to interview a few of the family members of the boys that are sadly no longer with us and sort of gathered this information and then sat with it and go right what do I want to do with this I said let's write let's write a play let's and it it started off as just like a 45 minute thing and then I left drama school um and when I left drama school with the Alan Bates competition um which I was very grateful to be awarded the the Alan Bates Award, and wow. it's awesome. It's awesome. It's an awesome experience, and they gave me space for two nights to just put on some of my own work. And I was like, oh God, what am I going to do? <laughs> I was like, oh, I've got this moorcroft thing, this moorcroft idea. Maybe I could do that. And I had a bunch of Scottish mates in London, and we all got together and we rehearsed the play in a week, put it on, invited a friend along to see it, um and thought, what did you think? And he said, can I pass the script over to a producer of? friend of mine and it kind of tumbled from there right into six years later we're at we're at the tron and we start rehearsals in january and it's been absolutely mental my dad finds it all so bizarre and just he's so humble and all of the all of the boys that the characters are either based on or there's, there's things that the boys have said that have turned into be characters um they all just find it so bizarre cause like, why do you want to write about us
0: <laughs> yeah
1: we didn't do anything interesting and in it they did mm-hmm. like when you see the show you meet the characters you realize that they are they are so interesting and they they did some pretty remarkable things and we as an audience have some pretty big lessons to learn from watching watching these boys sort of go through the experiences that they do in the in the play it's it's been a journey it's been mental it's mad having my dad sit in the company of someone that plays a sort of You know version of him yeah and him go oh my god that's because the character is called gary a lot of the names in the show have been changed because they're you know versions of people or they're sort of maybe fabric the storylines have been fabricated a little bit Mm -hmm. um from things that the boys have said or maybe their lack of understanding of of the times that they were grown up in have created sort of characters as well um and it's very weird for him to sit and sort of see his mates or see things in his mates that he didn't like at the time mm-hmm. and now only at 50 he's he able to sort of hold his hands up and take responsibility for things that he didn't do when he was a young man um mm-hmm. yeah it's he's come a long way with writing this and found a lot about himself and so have i writing these characters has taught me a lot about the world about myself about what i want to say um but it's been amazing just to do it with your best mate. <laughs> so
0: your dad's still involved in the creative process at this point?
1: Yeah, he, I mean, as much as he will sit and just sort of talk, that's sort of what my dad does best. If he meets my dad, he's like, oh, he, yeah, he can certainly talk, can't he?
0: Oh, so you're, you're sort of shaping what he says? Yeah, kind of he'll
1: just say things and out of that, it could be one line that he said has turned into a full storyline. Right. Um, Or he'll say a opinion that the boys had at a certain point of Mm -hmm. their lives. And that has then turned into a full storyline as well. And um, in terms of the creative process, it's just at every point, my dad's been able to come in and see, see it. Or I'll run down the stairs and be like, okay, what do you think of this bit? And I'll read him a section out and he'll go, yeah, that's it. You've got that bit now. That's exactly how the boys would have sounded. Or that's how they would have said that. Or oh, that bit's a bit too harsh. Mm -hmm. I don't think he would have been that harsh if this character was like that. And so he is like, he's like, he edits it with me. And yeah, and at every point he's been encouraged to come in and see the read through or Mm -hmm. watch the development week or yeah see the boys hopefully in their costumes for the first time so it's I don't ever want it to be a shock for him for him to come and watch it and see things in it that he's maybe said and not expected to be in there yeah sure sure. you know especially with his character because that you know you see him at 50 years old and you see him go back in time and try to sort of relive his youth which is a very vulnerable thing for you to watch happen when it's your story definitely yeah so yeah I didn't want him to come and sort of See it at any point and be shocked and be going, oh god, you've put that bit in. Oh, that's quite triggering yeah, for me. Course, yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted him to always just be fine with, fine with the the version that we've created, and he's just fab. He's so funny. He just he said to me last night, he was like, um, so. I don't want any like paparazzi coming up to me or that, you know, in the middle of the street, asking for my autograph and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. They actually, when we did, we did the read through in London uh, for David Pugh and we were sat and they told, there's one of the characters in the show is called Mince just because, yeah, he's just like the, the the joke, the running joke throughout their whole sort of upbringing was that Mince was just thick as Mince and
0: right.
1: literally, yeah, had no common sense. And mm-hmm. so that's, that character, that nickname was, turned into a full character in this in this show yeah and then um... Yeah, they they were all winding the real version of him up in real life saying that they were all getting to go on Graham Norton. <laughs> that the play was getting turned into a movie and yeah, of course, all yeah. the real boys that the characters were based on were all getting to go on Graham Norton and he was not he was the only one that wasn't invited on. <laughs> so the, my dad's in the pub and hands the phone to me and um, Mintz comes on the phone and is like, why am I the only one that's not getting to go on Graham Norton? You've used my name, I mean, and the character might not be fully me anymore, but like you know it's my nickname and I'm dead sad I'm not getting it going here outraged (laughs) outraged. it's like they're all they are winding you up yeah 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 you know you're not actually going to oh they're waiting I was like that's why you get that nickname isn't it you know makes sense self-fulfilling prophecy yeah yeah yeah
0: (laughs) so your dad surely doesn't actually think there's going to be paparazzi coming up to him outside the Tron does he
1: I think he's going to be disappointed. He's not. <laughs> you I think I'm going to, need to just stage it and get my auntie to stand there with a flashing camera and be like, yeah. "Gary, let's get your foot over no. here, over here." He's so humble and just thinks he's so he's so proud of what we've created together. Mm-hmm. And it's some of it isn't verbatim what happened to him when he was when he was younger, but it is it is in a way because because of the things we've spoken about. He goes, "That definitely happened." Be- but we didn't do anything about it. And we had these discussions, like the topics that the play follows, you know, like the homophobia and the racism that mm-hmm. happens throughout the throughout Moorcroft. You know, my dad and I have spoke about that in depth now and he, he does, he holds his hand up and go, I didn't do enough or I was part of the jokes or I was part mm-hmm. of the, you know, creating the stigma um, back in the 80s. and And it's just, it's amazing to see a working class man's growth through realizing his mistakes um because you don't like these characters at points you really mm. it's not something that i've wanted to glorify as the mentality that they have it's for us as an audience to come along and really learn from their attitudes and it's to sort of learn from their mistakes and not using their voices to to stick up for their mates and stick up for what's right mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm really proud i'm really proud of my dad um and the man that he is now so you yeah. start
0: in january
1: yeah we start rehearsals in january
0: what does your dad uh, think of the casting is it, he been cast is the gary character being cast yeah so has he met this person yeah wow. they've met
1: and yeah and it's crazy it's absolutely crazy and it's important as well like i said to the actor that plays gary you know this isn't verbatim theater you know this isn't something that you're copying lines or you're so you've got a license to make gary his own mm-hmm, so you, mm-hmm. we're not coming in and you're having to copy my dad's you know sort of little traits or anything yeah, make sure. gary completely your own version of this man because the character is a combination of lots of different men from my life mm-hmm. um but it's still nice to see my dad stand with some you know my dad started all of this mm-hmm. he's the only reason that this play exists so it's nice for him to come in and and stand beside the man that's called Gary and say, wow, yeah, <laughs> I, d- I did do something with my life, you know, sure, and sure. that's the, just the most important thing. and And again, it goes back to that encouraging working class people to see it. That's sort of my main goal with this is that it's Glaswegian voices telling this story on stage and I just want to do lots of outreach and have lots of people from working class communities who are so terrified of being in a the theatre or have mm. never been to the theatre before and come and watch something like this and go ah, that was yeah, that's my uncle or that's my dad or yeah, that was my granddad. So yeah.
0: The Tron's a good place for that I think as well. Yeah, they do brilliant
1: it, work, outreach work. And there. it doesn't
0: feel also, even visually, like it doesn't feel like an old fashioned theatre like, you know, Velvet and all the rest of it, which I think is probably more intimidating, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was important when knowing where the play was going to have its first life of mm-hmm. it can't feel like this intimidating place to walk into and I mm-hmm. think the Tron do an amazing job at making the theatre accessible and not like you're walking into some big intimidating space yeah definitely so I'm unbelievably excited and yeah to just have people come into a theatre for the first time is just yes yeah, just amazing Absolutely when, when can amazing. we see it so yeah we'll be open in sort of February yeah after I think that's the 21st i want to say we open great yeah
0: wow look forward to that
1: mental crazy crazy and you've just <laughs> had
0: your first ever shit a brick monday this week oh, so you're doing your first play Pine a pint as well how's that going
1: that lives up to its name that it monday. does doesn't it yeah yeah really well really really good, well. good it's lovely it's it's been an absolutely brilliant rehearsal period um and we've had so it's um, Mary, and, Mary and Ada set, set the oh gosh, can't even get more words out now. Mary and Ada set the world to rights, um by Jane Livingston, who is in, she's fab, mm-hmm. she's a fab woman. I and don't know her at all. We've had her in the rehearsal room, um, for the two weeks, um, and Joel Bowman's directed it. Who is an absolute brilliant director. She's fabulous. She's so detailed with her work as well, and yes, yeah, she's great. And the other two ladies in it, um, Alana Jackson and Beth Marshall, were hilarious hilarious all
0: female company yeah director writer cast designer yeah it's everything. been fab it's Great. been
1: absolutely fab um and we've had an absolute joy doing it and it's a period piece as well so to do a period piece with quite wordy yeah language in two weeks was a challenge yeah a it's real a big challenge. ask isn't it yeah yeah and it was good fun it was good. i'm dyslexic as well so I was like, "Oh gosh, am I going to be able to do this?" Like, yeah. it's such a short rehearsal time, and it's a period piece, and the language is hard for me to sort of pick up quickly. Um, but we've, I think that we've had such a laugh doing it that it's just been, it's been fab. We've had such a such That's a great so time. Good. So,
0: is it going somewhere after this week?
1: I don't think so. I no, don't think this so. This is one of them. So, is I mean, some of the them
0: just go, and some of them, yeah,
1: yeah. We've just got the week. The week order more, which is just yeah. It's amazing walking down that staircase into the theatre and seeing yeah. all of the people that have done shows there. And it's amazing. It's isn't it? just fab. It's so fab and such. We've we were talking about you know lunchtime theatre and other people that ha- that don't live in Glasgow have never seen a show there or are like so what just plays on at lunch and you get a pie and you get a pint and it's like <laughs> what <laughs> that's the most Glaswegian thing I've ever heard and you're like yeah yeah. Is it a tenant's? Uh, yeah, yeah, it yeah, can be. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it probably will end up being. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and do you get tomato sauce. Yeah, do you get gravy. Mhm. What about what about one of my mates was like, oh but I'm I'm like I need a gluten free version. Oh, sorry, mate. No,
0: we can do vegan. We do vegan now. Yeah,
1: do a vegan one, but unfortunately, full of gluten. Yeah. He's like, oh, I can't get the pie then. Or the gluten free. I was like, nah. My dad actually came on Monday. um and he ate my mum's pie because she didn't want the pie. Like, right, fair enough. He ate my mum's pie and then they made an announcement that there was extra pies. And my dad went back up to get one and my mum went, sit down. <laughs> He's like, sit down, guys. He's going to have a third one. And he was like, why? And then we were in the car on the way home and we were at McDonald's and I was starving so we got a wee um, chicken nugget meal. My dad ordered a Big Mac and my mum went... <laughs> <laughs> my mum was like, you've just had two pies. And he went... Yeah, and the reason I'm getting a Big Mac is you—you you didn't let me go up for the third pie. And I was like, "You have got to be joking."
0: Fair play to him, I say.
1: She wasn't happy. She wasn't having it at all. No, no, she was raging. Did
0: she get something from McDonald's? She didn't have any pies.
1: No, she didn't even get a McDonald's. What's going on, Mum? No, she didn't get a McDonald's. She's my mum's doing. My mum's trying to lose weight at the minute. Um, she's doing the health thing. So she's doing thing. the health thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's out walking all the time. She walks oh god the walking thing she's she prop. We, lo- we lost my wee grandpa and in, in january and uh. so she was like the one thing she said that she was going to she was going to lose the weight and mm-hmm. she said that to her dad she was like i'm going to do it dad i'm going to do it and and so she's she's determined to really really do it now and she's doing really amazing she is she, she's 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 so proud of her for doing it now and but she, she's doing these walks and it's a uh, she just goes out and she's like, Right, that's me walking to So and so. But it's not just like walking around the block or like mm-hmm. taking a, re- a scenic walk or with the dog she walks these really weird like roads like these main roads and i'm like
0: <laughs> the she's 82 and yeah, just walking you
1: see she's see me Karen Lone just up the I'm like, what <laughs> she, she's got like her gear she's got like the the jacket right. and the serious she's taking it seriously and mm. no she is yeah, she's doing really well but she'll just she'll just disappear wow. She like got she she went on sunday she was we dropped her up at the crematorium and she thought right i'll go and say hello to my dad and then i'll walk back and we were like that's like walking back from Paisley to Erskine. It's not like a scenic route. It's not a night. Right. You could along just... the drill
0: carriage kind of thing. Yeah. How yeah. far is it?
1: I can't even tell you how far it is. It's a good walk. Like <laughs> fair play to her. She's doing well. She's doing well. <laughs> but like, I thought, can I be doing a bit more of like a scenic? Yeah, around
0: went parks or.
1: Yeah, we could drive down to Loch Lomond, do a big walk. No, no, she's just on exactly. the dark road so good for her Rem for sure, like, if you see her give her a wave absolutely she's, if Karen. anybody sees Karen loan out she's doing her walking <laughs> honestly she's some woman. she's amazing
0: what does she make of what you do I take it she's been to see everything and
1: yeah both my parents are so supportive mm-hmm. um yeah just they're just incredible mom and dad they're they're true inspirations and they've sacrificed a lot to have me go and do that it's not this is This is an expensive career. Like when you're younger and you want to go to dance classes and singing lessons. Yeah, it's a lot. We're not a family of money, like at all. You know, I remember being upstairs and hearing my mum and dad downstairs, you know, sitting around the dinner table being like, how are we going to send her to these Mm -hmm. dance classes and stuff like that and, you know, be able to afford it. And I've got a younger sister as well and, you know, Erin needs to have her dream too. You know, Erin doesn't want to be an actor and I'm so, I love how much my sister doesn't want to be in this industry like i love it she's wanting to go to university to be a nurse and i'm so proud of her for that and i I just i love how much she hates dancing and singing (laughs) very
0: clear about it
1: she she did do it for a while when she was a kid and just despised it and i just love how much she hates it was that
0: just because you were doing it she was sort of sent along
1: she she kind of liked a wee bit of dancing and my mum mm-hmm. thought would you like to go to a dance class and you know ailey does some dancing and she, she was like yeah i'd like to do it my mum and dad were never parents that would force you to do anything you did not want to do yeah like, I, I took up piano for a while hated it and they were like right well you don't need to do it anymore mm-hmm. if i was to turn around tomorrow and be like oh i don't don't want to be an actor anymore my mum and dad would be like oh that's a shame but if it that's doesn't okay. make you happy that's absolutely fine um, so you know they weren't going to force Erin to pursue the same career because yeah. she just bless her she hates it <laughs> she absolutely you couldn't pay my sister to go on stage Did she come and see it. stuff? yeah she's very honest is yeah. she? Mm-hmm.
0: what kind of things has she said to she's you?
1: she's just like that's awful <laughs>
0: <laughs> I won't ask what she said it about
1: <laughs> she's come to see me in some funny things and just she won't say it as bluntly as that I'm being a bit harsh but she'll just go yeah (laughs) my dad's really like blunt about it which i really love yeah my mum's sort of more oh amazing well Mm. done right i'm really proud of you regardless of i mean even if it was rubbish they'd be proud of me but my mum my mum probably wouldn't unpick why it was good or bad she'd just say oh well done and my sister gives it "Mm Mhm. and i'm like okay i can tell by that she didn't like it or but my dad my dad and i he goes into the detail of why he doesn't like something which i love i love and what is
0: do you think like does he have has he developed a vocabulary for that like over the years where actually he's saying stuff and you're going i totally know what you're on about
1: yeah i love it both, pa- that's so both cool. my parents have yeah yeah i love it when they start talking about theater in a way that's like They'll talk about the set design and they'll talk about the lights and I'm like, oh wow, you're really seeing this as like a a full piece and the not just yeah. focusing on like, you know, one aspect of it, um, which is just amazing. It's yeah. amazing and yeah, you hear them sort of, even if I'm going for an edition or something like that, they be like, and have you printed your sides? And I'm like, oh, oh, that's cute. I've not, I've never. Ta- my sister, she helps me with my self tapes if I'm at home because mm-hmm. she's brilliant. She just reads the lines. I've never asked my dad because that's just. No, 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 I could never ask Gary to help me with a tape. Are you scared he would act? No, he just, my dad's dyslexic as well. Mm -hmm. So he just can't, he can't read really, like out loud. Same Mm -hmm. as me, like I'm really not that good at reading at all. And yeah, he just gets quite nervous. He'd be like, oh, I don't want to be my voice on the thing or that. Yeah, yeah. But my mum did it once and never, oh God, (laughs) never She got like into character and started like reading my lines and stuff. And I was like yeah mum that's my line she was like oh is it I was like yeah you can't say my lines and she was like oh i'm really sorry and she started doing a whole voice started oh, doing voice. like a full yeah she's she playing a police woman she's like i'm getting into this ellie <laughs> it's like thinking that they'll hear her voice and go that woman behind the camera was never
0: mind ellie but we need who was that and
1: she was Get her in yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and they were like they won't do that will they what if they do that? What They won't do that. Get ourselves <laughs> pure pipe. She's like, I'm going to make an agent. <laughs> I've heard of actors
0: doing that, like contacting agents after a self-tape that they've helped a friend with and going, Did you see, I was the other person. Did you hear me? I'm looking for
1: representation. No way. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you've got to shoot your shot, right? Like, absolutely. That's hilarious. But
0: yeah, it's, I think that's pretty bold. Yeah. The thing to, when you're helping someone with a self-tape, you really want to become almost invisible, I think, as opposed to like... <laughs> this is what i'm doing
1: (laughs) that's it i think the self-tape thing's hilarious me and my my flatmate um we have had hours of trying to just do a tape because the two of us can't stop laughing yeah like when it's just something ridiculous that the side will be like and he he got a tape through and he had to pretend to chop somebody's head off and it said (sighs) specifically in the directions make sure that you follow the action right through to the end of the so you do have to edition. mime the whole chop in the head and off he bit. did and it honestly took us so long the two of us were just in stitches and <laughs> stitches uh what a laugh we had brilliant wow.
0: so you're gonna move back up obviously because of well partly because of moorcroft and then are you gonna be involved in the process of that or i guess once it starts rehearsals will you be kind of backing off a wee
1: bit so di- directing the piece? Oh, you're directing it? Yeah.
0: Oh.
1: Which is unbelievably. I've always wanted to direct, and when I was at drama school, I did quite a lot of directing and short films and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, we'd set up like a film company when I was at drama school, and um, I've just I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to direct theatre, mm-hmm. and when Murcroft the opportunity to direct Murcroft came along, I was like. This is my baby. I've worked on this for six years. Like, I know how the piece should be. Mm-hmm. um, And I'm just... I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. I can't wait. And, yeah. And I'm just unbelievably grateful that the Tron have given me this opportunity. It's my, it's my first piece to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's amazing that a theatre has sort of taken... Yeah, taken... Taking me under their wing, really, and mm-hmm. giving mm-hmm. me an opportunity to put on my first piece of work. Because it's so it is so hard like we're under no illusion to get your first job or your first directing job or your first acting job or things like that it's it's a long process to get your work seen yeah um, definitely yeah and this has been six years like this isn't just something that's just appeared and then someone's picked up like it's been six years of you know me working on it and then sending it to people or you know redrafting it deciding what i want to do and all these kind of things so yeah we're just i'm just so excited to be in the room and what an unbelievably talented bunch of actors like and you get into i'm getting to work with my mates as well like some of my mates are getting to be in this production they've been part of it since six years ago like ringing oh, my mates right. up and being like here i'm going to do this little 45 minute thing yeah it's unpaid i'm sorry it's unpaid but do mm-hmm. you want to come and do it and now they're getting paid for it and that's just like that's what you want that's what you want yeah being able to turn around and give your mates a job it's like just fantastic mm-hmm.
0: so do you have a, a- next piece burning ready to be written do you think or is there an idea floating about
1: yeah there's a few really yeah i've got a few i think i've started to kind of piece some ideas down but i think until moorcroft's out the way yeah you know i'm going to kind of finish moorcroft um and yeah take some time to just be like right it's done now um Mm -hmm. i think once my head's clear of of that i can sit down and really start start the next the next one but there's a few yeah my dad my dad comes up with ideas all the time does he really yeah he'll ring me up you know, <laughs> if i'm not in the house or i'm down in london whatever he'll ring me up and he'll go so there's a man not even a hello it'll just be so there's a man and it's his daughter and i'm like oh god <laughs> and i know i'm on the phone for 45 minutes while he tells me a plot line for this for this show or this <laughs> tv series or something some of them <laughs> remarkable good, yeah some of them i'm like no
0: no they can't all be winners
1: i know i said that to him but i don't think he likes that no i think he's under the impression that all his work's going to be like you know bafta award winning yeah i think if he had his time again you know and my dad was given the same opportunities i was given he'd have been you know a brilliant director or a writer mm. um he's got such a he's an amazing storyteller my dad hence why you know we're here with moorcroft but yeah, like yeah. he's he's a he's just brilliant and i think yeah having having given the same chances i was i think he would have done something creative um
0: but we still get into it in, in a roundabout way it yeah. still happened yeah that's very yeah. true very i started true. doing skits kind of loosely based on my mum and uh i get all my ideas from stuff she says mm-hmm. but then when she realized that she started phoning me up with ideas and then i would be like no you need to just be yourself
1: what does she think of that because the stuff that you've put on as well is so successful and so many people see it yeah there's You know, does she watch them and be like, "She loves it." Does she? Oh, she joined
0: Twitter so she could follow me. She follows one person on Twitter, and it's me. Oh, (laughs) that's so lovely. So she just goes, opens Twitter, and looks at my timeline and see if there's anything new. But what will happen is, I'll be there for dinner on a Sunday, and then later that night, a video will come out, and she'll be like, "Oh, I see, right?" Because she's told me some story about her pal went to the hospital and she didn't get seen for four hours and whatever it was. (laughs) You know, when people in Glasgow go to the hospital, they always tell you how long they waited. Four hours, four hours, and that casualty, unbelievable. <laughs> so that type of thing, it'd be a little thing at like that, and it would be the seed of an idea. But then she, she got wise to it, so she would phone me up and go, "So what if?" and She started saying, "What if you need bits of costumes? I've got this scarf that would be great." And I'm like, "No, no, she's no.
1: costuming, is oh, stra- love and it." And I
0: said, "No, no, no, we're not doing costume. I'm not going. I'm not in drag. That's a whole." Did she give you the glasses though? Thing. No, they're my glasses.
1: They're your own glasses. Yeah. So Aww. I wear them
0: properly up, up the top of my nose when I'm actually reading. I'm supposed to wear them all the time. <laughs> Oh really? And then just pull them down to be Janice. Dead easy. Minimal effort, you see.
1: Is your mum's actual name Janice? No, no. Oh, she's okay. Susan. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> because honestly, we have watched them as a family so many times really? because my mum wears her glasses down there. She'll say <laughs> things like Janice and we all go like Mum, your mum's Janice? Do.
0: Yeah, the mum's too.
1: She she's so funny because she she thinks that your Janice is our neighbour, but mm-hmm. she doesn't realise that she's the same as her and I go but mum that's you as well she yeah goes, no it's not it's not and you go
0: you're doing it now
1: <laughs> it's I like a, it's a and my granny's the same it's like there's something in scottish women that oh yeah. we have this like i
0: don't know what like, it is but i do, love it
1: maybe i've already oh, i don't know I, f- I find myself sometimes like i'll speak and i'll go oh my god that's my mum mm.
0: oh yeah that was yeah. my
1: mum there and my mates have started doing it as well they go all right karen lone and i'm like oh <gasps> <laughs> and that's not a bad thing if i turn out to be like my mum when I'm my mum's age I'll absolutely take it but there's something that you go oh no, god it's spooky it's mom. like
0: I'm getting older I think yeah, that's the thing yeah. well, when you find yourself walking up the Joe carriageway to get home oh know, god you'll know you're Karen Lone
1: see so if I oh, oh I can't oh no, bless her what you've got shame. time
0: yet you're not quite there yet
1: oh wee Kaza. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so good luck with the rest of the week
1: thank you still thank got a few so more shows much. to go
0: 1pm One, 1 every day
1: 1pm every day pies pints
0: everything you want some period drama we love it Pies Pints and period drama there you go
1: that's the new title that's the new title Solid. for Oran Moore
0: and good luck with Moorcroft when it comes around can't thank wait to you. see it thank
1: you I know I'm excited to have you along it'll be su- super fun <laughs>
0: thanks for coming to chat to me what <laughs> a joy
1: thank you thanks for
0: having me there you go I always like to think that these conversations might give you some respite from, from what's going on in life, whether that's your creative life or otherwise. But I hope that also they give you some inspiration. And it's undeniable that someone like Ellie, um, working so hard and being so um, conscientious about it and and uh, so inspired herself, it's hard to take that and listen to it and not feel inspired to, to get on with your own thing. I certainly feel, um, I certainly felt, what would I say? Well, just just lighter after having that conversation. That's what it does to me sometimes. It's a very simple thing. It's just, it's good for what ails you. It's kind of like going on stage, you know, performing a little bit can chase the blues away a wee bit for me, can, can take me out of myself and can put me in a different uh, headspace. It kind of moves things around a bit and that's what having these conversations does. So I hope that for you, listening to them does that for you as well. So remember, follow us, Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Putting It Together Cast on Facebook, or just Putting It Together on Facebook, I should say. But if you want to donate to the show, you go to puttingitogethercast.com and click on the donate button. So I'm going to leave you. Until next week, I'm bringing you a brand new episode with a, another guest and another creative conversation. And I hope that you stay safe and well until then. And creative as well. You keep going. It's, sometimes it's like trudging through treacle, isn't it? I'm definitely finding that at the moment, but I hope that you'll... Um, like me, you will keep going. Don't give up, Uh, keep smiling, look after each other and have a great week. Cheerio now.